So today we're, we're wrapping up our message series called Abounding Hope. And, and, and it's, that's what it's all about, that we have this incredible hope through the power of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that is different than a hope that you can experience anywhere else. And it's powerful and it's life-changing. We've, we found this, this hope based in Romans 15, 13, right? Remember what it says. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you, that you may overflow with hope. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. I like that. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Not that you may overflow with hope because... You, you know, you got a raise at work, or you got a nicer car, or you moved into a better house. Like, that's all fine and good, but there's a deeper level of hope than just those kind of things. It's not a hope you can just manufacture, or you can just try a little harder. No, it's a, a hope that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we gather to, to worship, to experience the Spirit's power here, to experience the Spirit's power in our lives daily as, as we read the Word together through our Bible reading plan, as we pray, as we gather in life groups and bands, that the Holy Spirit, we, we believe that the Holy Spirit could somehow move in us, through us, and do the work that only He can do. It can change our lives. Like, like Eric said, nothing, nothing remains the same. It, that, that God wants to, to make us new. If anyone be in Jesus Christ, that person is a new creation. The old is past and the new has come. We have this hope. We have this hope. So how do we, how do we get this? Where does it come from? Well, well the source for us, it, it's all about having the right source of, of power. And for, for the follower of Jesus, again, it's not just our own striving, our own trying. No, it's, it's bigger than that. It's, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. You've you got to have the, the right source of power. And for some, we, we miss out on this because, again, we, we're trying to manufacture it through stuff in our lives. And it just doesn't, doesn't work. For example, you, my fellow children in the 90s might remember uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor, right? Remember him? His, his uh, tagline, more power, right? He was never satisfied with the stock power of any tool, right, that he had. Like, for example, the time that he took his riding lawnmower and put a 1600cc motorcycle engine on it, right? Ended up in the hospital, as you probably would, you know. And that's a, a goofy, stupid show. But it shows us that you've got to have, it's not just having more power, it's having the right power. The, the, it's having the Holy Spirit's power and the right source of power because the Holy Spirit is the source of power for the Christian life. The Holy Spirit is the source of power for the Christian life. The right source of power will continue to deliver the, the right power to the right place in the right way. And this Holy Spirit power, this is nothing small. It's not a, a, a little basic power source, right? No, it's, we're talking about the power of God. I mean, let's take it all the way back to Genesis 1, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, it tells us, right? Now, the earth was formless and empty, and what happened? The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, hovered over the surface of the water, right? That's, uh, I'm kind of paraphrasing for us a little bit. Uh, uh, and, and, and God said, let there be light. 
and there was light. That's the, the Holy Spirit, God the Creator. All right, the Bible tells us in John that God the Son, the whole Trinity is right there, this moment of creation, creating something out of nothing, bringing order to chaos, bringing light out of darkness. This is some power. Like, this is not just some little source of power. This is incredible power. It's, it's the power that created this whole world, and it lives inside of you. It lives inside of me. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, God gives you the gift of the Spirit that comes into your life, and so you also have power. You have this power that comes from God. The book of Job, it said that the Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. That's power. That's power right there. It's the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, that rolled away the stone, and that left those Roman soldiers shaken in their boots when the resurrection occurred. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it's inside of you. In the Spirit, it's like we have this like, hyperdrive level of hope, right? Not average hope that normal folks have. We Not just hope that comes from, from material stuff. Not just hope that comes because things are going your way. Not just hope that comes, you know, the hope of like, you know, a better job or the hope of a nicer something or other or the hope of a good vacation or the hope of the Reds winning the World Series. Maybe making the playoffs would have been nice, right? You know, like, it's not talking just these kind of hopes. Those are all good and fine. We're not against them. But we're talking a hope, you know, those hopes are kind of down here. We're talking a hope that's a whole nother level of hope. A hope that only comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's what we've been talking about in this message series, about an abounding hope, a real hope. Maybe you're here and you've been pursuing some of those other kind of hopes, or, or maybe you've been pursuing hope in, in a more dark way. Maybe, it's, maybe you've been pursuing hope in an affair, saying, so this will prove I've still got it. Maybe you've been pursuing hope uh, through some kind of substance or addiction to numb the pain. You've been pursuing hope through pornography as it's a cheaper, easier than having a real intimate relationship with somebody. Maybe you've been pursuing hope through just binge watching your favorite shows or engulfing yourself in the news because it's easier to talk about other people's problems than to look at the things that are going wrong deep inside of you. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. You're, you're trying to fix a spiritual problem with failed solutions. And my friends, God offers you something so much better, so much better, a hope that is real and life-changing and powerful. And I want to show you about the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, the one who gives us hope today. We're going to be in the book of Acts and look at how this power changed people's lives. And it begins with a promise from Jesus in Acts chapter 1-8. It says that you will receive power. He's speaking to the believers. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, Jesus says, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in all of Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
I'm going to give you power through the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you out, and you're going to take this power. You're going to take this hope. You're going to take this message to the ends of the earth. And you and I sit here today because they did it. The church could have died out easily that first generation. There was only Jesus leaves. You only got hundreds, some of them or so. And look at what Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, look at what he does in Acts. That's Acts 1. Then Acts 2. The believers are together, and they're doing what Jesus had told them to do, to wait on the Holy Spirit. And they're praying, and they're waiting. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls in power upon the believers. And, and they are changed. There's this sound of the rushing wind. There's tongues of fire above their head. They pour out into the street, and people see them, and they're like, what is wrong with these people? Are they drunk? Like something is not right here at all. Uh, <clears throat> They need, they, they, they've got this power about them that is different than anything that we've ever seen. And that day, Peter preaches a sermon, and it changes things. 3,000 people say yes to the power of God. 3,000 people. That's, that'll change your church, don't you think? When you got your little church, 150, and like 3,000 people get saved that day, that's, that's church growth, Right? And, and, and what did Peter do next? Well, he could have started a capital campaign, but instead they kept doing miracles, right? So Peter and John, they go out and uh, they, they see this guy by the temple and he's sitting there and he's crippled. He's not been able to walk since birth. Everybody knows him. And they say to him, look, we don't have any money, but here's what we got and we'll give it to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he did. He did. Imagine that. The guy that everybody's known can't walk, and he's out walking around. That's power. <coughs> That's life-changing power right there. Thank you. Life-changing That's life-changing power right there. <laughs> That's Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 4. This incredible, this incredible miracles happened, but in Acts 4... Well, the honeymoon's over. Uh, persecution is going to come. Because that happens. It happens sometimes. And so the Jewish leaders, they were not happy at all. They see that Jesus, uh, that Jesus' power is still changing lives. Remember, Jesus is risen from the dead, and they wanted to kind of stomp this down. But they were unsuccessful. And so the people have seen this miracle that's done in the name of Jesus, and, and they realize this is getting out of control. And so what do they do? Well, they arrest Peter and John, and they bring them in before the Jewish leaders. Acts 4, 5. Or 5, 4, 5. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family, they, brought, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? In other words, how the heck did this happen? <laughs> like, you, you guys can't normally, you can't just make people walk, right? Like, how is this possible? Now, if you heard some of those names, you might have recognized them. These were the same people that Jesus had gone before just months earlier when he was tried, condemned, and crucified. Same people. 
And if we can go back to that evening for a moment, you might remember that the disciples, it wasn't really one of their shining moments, you know? Jesus is there, and he's praying in the garden, and he's asked them to pray for him, but they're sleeping. They're not doing so well. And then when the Romans, or when the, sorry, when the guard comes to arrest Jesus, they all flee. They run away. They're scared. Not great. Peter, he follows at a distance as Jesus is taken away. And while Jesus is in being interrogated by these same people, a servant girl, she comes up to Peter. And she says to Peter, hey, no, hey, weren't you with that Jesus guy? And he's like, no, I wasn't with that Jesus guy. <laughs> Sorry. I probably can't do that again, let's be honest. I wasn't with that Jesus guy. I don't know him. I don't know who he is. And then another person comes up. No, 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 you, you got that Galilean accent. He was from, no, I don't know him. A third person, now he's mad, he's swearing, he's cussing, right? Like, I don't know that guy. Three times. So what on earth is going to happen to Peter now? Now he's the one being interrogated by those same people who terrified him. Well, look at what he does. Verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being call, called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected, under which, is, which has become the chief cornerstone. He's quoting from the Old Testament there. Let me say this, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind whereby we must be saved. What made the difference? Or should we say, who made the difference? This is the post-Pentecost Peter here, okay? This is the Peter who's now filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And the guys who months ago made him so scared he would deny even knowing Jesus, now he's telling them, Hey, guess what? You screwed up. You crucified him. He's the Messiah, right? But, oh, good news, he is actually the Savior of the world. There's actually hope. <laughs> there's actually hope here, right? Why? Because there's one name given among men, or one name under heaven given among men, whereby we shall be saved. That's what Peter says to them. He's got a message of hope. <laughs> I took some uh, big uh, boldness that day to do that, don't you think? These are powerful, powerful men, and Peter knew it. Boldness. Spirit gives us boldness. Now, I want to distinguish between, like, normal human boldness and spiritual, spirit-empowered boldness, okay? A lot of us are bold, as in, like, we're brave, we're courageous, right? You know, maybe you like to drive really fast, you know, or maybe you like something like cliff diving or skydiving or one of the divings, right, that scares a lot of people, you know, or, or maybe for you, you're bold, you like to 
dance like nobody's watching, but they're watching, you know, right? Maybe that's you, and you've got this boldness. I'm not talking about just normal human boldness. I'm not talking about alcohol-infused boldness. I'm talking about a spirit-given boldness. A spirit-given boldness. Worldly boldness is trying to be the loudest person in the room, aggressive and pushy, that kind of stuff. Spirit-filled boldness is different. It's It comes from the power of the Holy Spirit, God's source of power that gives us power and sustains this power. Verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Hmm. Go figure, right? You've got these guys, they're... They don't seem to be the smartest, you know. They're not the sharpest tools in the shed, right? They got the Galilean accent. They didn't probably go to the big-name school. They're former fishermen, but there's something different about them. They've been with Jesus. There's, they've got a, a power. They've got an authority. We just tried this Jesus guy a few months ago, and we tried to eliminate him. He came back from the dead, and Man, we're feeling some deja vu here when we talk to these guys. They've been with Jesus. They're walking like Jesus, talking like Jesus. They're doing the same works that Jesus did. They're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And maybe you say, well, okay, that's fine, but that bar's kind of high, don't you think? I'm not Peter or John. Well, don't you remember? Don't you remember what these disciples were like? Like, you know, back pre-resurrection, they weren't the most impressive, if you will. Their favorite game to play was who's the number one disciple, right? You know, Jesus said the last will be first, the first will be last, and they said, I want to be first. They didn't really get it, right? I mean, James and John, they even had to have their mom come in and argue for them to be the best. You know how you know you're not the best? If your mom has to come and tell everybody you're the best, right? (laughs) That's James and John right there. This same guy whose mom used to tell everybody he's the best is now filled with the Spirit's power. That same Peter who denies that he even knows Jesus is now witnessing for him in front of people who could kill him. Wow. So you may not feel like you got a great resume, neither neither did Peter, John, James, any of these others. None of them were impressive by human standards, but they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And they were changed, and they changed the world, not because they were sharp, but because they've got the same power that you and I have. The same power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, filled them, fills us. It's the same Holy Spirit that we say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place. Fill the atmosphere. It's the same power, the same spirit. It's incredible. It was a life-changing thing for them. It was a, a Clark Kent to Superman kind of change, right? Not because they were so great, but the power of the spirit. You know, in the world we live today, holy boldness is needed more now than ever. 
We're not in a world, you've probably noticed, we're not in a world anymore where everybody just assumes that you should follow Jesus, that you should assume that that's the right thing to do and to go to church and all this stuff. That's, that's long, long past. We're in a world that wonders if the church is even harmful. And sometimes we have been. And we've got a responsibility an opportunity to show how great our God is, to proclaim with a holy boldness. A holy boldness lives different than the rest of the world lives. A holy boldness is able to speak words of forgiveness even to your enemy. A holy boldness acts with integrity when others around you are stealing or doing wrong things. A holy boldness has the courage to love people who others don't love. A holy boldness stands up against evil. It stands up against racism. It stands up against sin. And it stands for the goodness of God. It's a holy boldness. It's the kind of boldness that we need to have. And you know, when the world sees that kind of boldness, sometimes they don't know what to do with it. And neither did the council that day. Verse 16, what are we going to do with these men? Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they performed a notable sign. We can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them not to speak or to speak no longer to anyone in this name. In other words, we know that it's real. We know that it can't stop us, but we'll try. <laughs> like, we'll just tell them they can't do it anymore. I'll see how that goes. We, they called them in again, commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judge. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. They had seen and heard the risen Jesus. They touched him. They walked with him. The, the same one that they ran away from in fear. The same one that they believed that when he was dead, it was over. They went back to fishing for crying out loud. But when they saw the risen Christ, and when they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, everything changed. Everything changed. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. So they go back to the church, and they tell them what's happened. And this could have been something that would have left the church shaking in their boots, right? Something that would have made those new several thousand converts say, you know what, we didn't really mean it after all, right? We'll go back home. We don't have time for this persecution. But no, they lifted their voice together in prayer and they said this, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your spirit or servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And God responded. After they finished praying, the place where they were at was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Wow. In the face of persecution, they didn't quit. They didn't go home. They didn't decide to hide or hang out until the people chill out and move on to the next problem. No, they said, Lord, more, more. 
We want more of your spirit. We want more of your power. We want to go out and we want to share about this Jesus with boldness. Would you give us that boldness? And you know, friends, that is why I believe with all my heart that the church is the hope of the world. I'm so thankful to get to dedicate my life to serving the church because I believe that we, not just Anderson Hills, but the Big C Church is the hope of the world. That we are given this abounding hope. And here's the, here's the thing about this little abounding hope series. I'll tell you now because it's the last week. It's kind of a setup, okay? We help you see how you are filled with this incredible hope. And then we tell you, but here's the deal. You need to share it with others. If you've got this great hope, why would you not? I mean, think of it a different way. We're in a time of a pandemic, right? If, if by some miracle you, dis, you discovered like the ultimate cure for COVID, probably not likely to happen, at least I won't, but maybe you would, would you just keep it quiet? No. You'd be a monster if you did that. You'd get it to whoever could get it out to as many people as possible to save lives. Well, we've got a hope that is eternal. And I'm not trying to minimize pandemics here, but we've got a hope that's bigger than this whole world. Are we going to just stuff it inside? No. We're called, we are called, and not only called, but empowered to be the hope of the world. The hope of the world. That's why this church sits here. That's why other churches in our community sit here. Sometimes people ask me a question like, well, don't you worry about, you know, that there's, there's a church, a new church, Seven Hills, that went in next door. Don't you worry about that. Or don't you worry about, you know, there's other great churches in Cincinnati. Like, isn't that scary? No, that's awesome. Like, there's a lot of people around here that need to know Jesus. And I want all the churches to be reaching a lot of people for Jesus. We've got, if we're like a normal community, we've got probably 25 to 30% of the people who come to church, right? Are we really worried about competing? How, how ridiculous. No, the hope of the world. And that's what we're going to do here. We've been here doing it for 200 years. Not a bad start, but we've got a long ways to go, right? Because there's such a need, more today than ever, there is such a need for this abounding hope, this message of abounding hope. And so we're going to do that. We're going to share this abounding hope through our children's ministry, right? So when kids come, whether it's to our preschool or, or to our children's ministry, that they're going to experience the love of God. They're going to experience the hope that comes in a relationship with Jesus. They're going to give their lives to him, and they're going to be changed forever, forever. And they're going to be the church long after I'm not just retired, but I'm six feet under. They're going to be the church, and they're going to be leading the church. That's why we proclaim hope there. We do it in our teens' ministry because we know that they're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today, and they're called to lead, and they're called to serve, and they're called to get a real faith. It's not a replication of mom and dad's faith, a real faith that's their own that follows the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. So we're going to keep on in teen ministry and, and keep on uh, serving our teens and, and mentoring them and loving them because we know that, that, that their spiritual lives depend on this. 
We're, we're going to keep on serving the needy on Thursday nights over at Salem, right? But by offering a physical food and, and spiritual food as well as, as we pray for those who are sick or who are in need. We're, go, we're going to keep on doing that because it's essential. We're going to keep on believing that God is healing people today. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to offer classes like Break Free and, and things like the, the, the healing seminar. We're, we're, we're going to come, or healing school, we're going to come together and we're going to grow God's going to use this to grow us in our ability to, to, to minister to people so that we are going to trust and believe that God can and will do signs and wonders right here, just like he did in the early church. It's the same power. It's not our power. It's, it's Jesus' power, right? We're going to continue on in supporting great missions here locally, like a jail ministry, so that when people get arrested, they'll be met with a message of hope right in our jails. That at the, uh, maybe the rock bottom place, that Jesus could meet them right there. We're going to keep on supporting food pantries so that people have physical and spiritual needs met, right? Uh, we're, we're, going to, we're going to keep on in so many different ways. Uh, we're, we're going to keep on uh, through our missionaries, right? Uh, we're going to commission a team to go to Mexico here in a few minutes, right? And we're going to take the good news of Jesus to Mexico, right? And, and we're going to support people like Hope and Cheque so that, so that children can be rescued from sex trafficking in the Dominican Republic, right? Because we're called to be the hope of the world. We're going to continue to experience this hope in, in our life groups, in, in our bands, in worship as we meet together because we need to experience it so that we could share it. I think somebody needs to get excited about the fact that we're called to be the hope of the world. That we're called, that we're equipped, that Jesus didn't, didn't just say, go do it. No, he said, I'll fill you with my power. The Holy Spirit's power will come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You'll be my witnesses in Mount Washington. You'll be my witnesses at Anderson Township. And whether you're worshiping me with guitars and drums or with pipe organs and bells or with at Salem or whatever, that you will be witnessing me, my witnesses, we've got the hope of the world, and his name is not John, his name is not Anderson Hills, his name is Jesus, and I want to spend my life, I want to be spent for that, it's all I got, it's all I got, it's abounding hope, and I just want to give you a little bit of homework here. I've been praying that the Holy Spirit would answer this prayer, that if you pray, God, who are you calling me to share hope with? What's the next step? I pray and I believe that God will answer that. Maybe he's answering it right now in your heart and mind. Maybe he's been answering it already. You walked in today with the answer. You just haven't done it say, Holy Spirit, would you empower me? Would you empower me to be obedient, to go out? That, would you give me that boldness, the boldness of Peter and John, the boldness to believe that you can and will work through me, the boldness to believe that you are God. Lord, we need you by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us up? 
Would you empower us to be your witnesses right here in Cincinnati and to the ends of the earth? When we send out a missionary or when we send out money or when we send out people here locally or when we walk out these doors that hope would be proclaimed that lives would be changed that miracles would happen that healing would happen we believe that you are the hope and you've put us here to be the hope of the world would you empower us Holy Spirit we're here would you give us that same resurrection power that same power that raised Jesus from the dead Would it be in our lives, filling us, changing us, empowering us to be the people you call us to be? God, we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we have members of our prayer team here who'd love to pray with you. Maybe maybe you're saying, I need some boldness, or I need some guidance or direction, or I need some healing or hope, or I need to pray for somebody. Invite you, whether it's during this song or after the service, to come forward and pray for us. We would love to pray with you because we believe that God is here and the Holy Spirit is, is moving, is working in our midst and wants to move in your life too.